2: Good afternoon and welcome to Noon Edition with my co-host, Daniel Robison. I am Stan Jastrzewski. It is Friday, March 19th, and on today's program, we're going to be talking about several gun-related issues as they relate to legislation that has been passed by the Indiana General Assembly. Joining us today in studio are Hoosier State Press Association General Counsel Steve Key and someone you may know, Herald Times editor Bob Salzberg, on the other side of the mic today. Thank you both for being here with us. And also on the phone from Chicago, Bloomington State Representative Peggy Welch. Representative Welch, thanks for joining us from up there.
3: Thanks for inviting me.
2: We should point out that you can be a part of today's program by calling us if you have a question for our panelists. If you're local to our Bloomington studios, you can call 812-855-0811 or you can call toll-free from anywhere at 877-285-9348. Uh, Well, I wanted to start out uh, with you, Representative Welch, and ask about one of the two bills that we'll be talking about today, and that is the bill that um, limits access to some handgun license information. Uh, This was a bill you sponsored and were behind. Can you tell me why it came to be?
3: Sure. Um, Thank you. Um, Back in the fall, there were some articles in um, our local paper and then also in the the, uh, Indianapolis Star, and... Um, I started receiving phone calls from constituents, um, and there were people who didn't even own guns, but the articles in the paper were about the availability of personal information of persons who had licenses to, license to carry handguns. Um, you can own a handgun, and you can keep it in your home without a license. You can have a handgun, and you can keep it in the business of which you own and not have a license, but if you're going to carry that gun then you have to have a license. And so it came to people's understanding and knowledge that you could get that personal information by paying $32.50, I think it is, to the Indiana State Police. You would get a disc with the names, addresses, um, and all kinds of, of identifying information on those persons who had those licenses to carry a concealed weapon. And people were upset by that. And again, it wasn't just gun owners, but people who didn't own guns who thought that that information should be have public access. So I started investigating it, talked to some folks, and had legislation drawn up and introduced it. And um, so I was approached by constituents, and that's how that came about, that I became the author of House Bill 1068.
2: I want to move into the room now to, to Bob. Your newspaper, the Herald Times, uh, printed a database with a bunch of this information. You did redact some of the information so that people were not as identifiable as they might have been otherwise. You had the information but chose not to print it. I want to ask you first and then move to to Steve and then back to Representative Welch. 2020 hindsight, everything that's happened and, and give us a little bit of background too of, of what you uh, encountered after this was printed. Is it, is, is it a decision you would make that same way again and is it, is it a decision to print this information you would advise others to make given access to it?
4: You know, I, I asked to be on this side of the uh, mic today because this was such a, a difficult issue for us to deal with and we got so much um, reaction to it and I didn't feel like it would be right to be the host of the show on this since we're so involved with it. Um, to, the answer to your question is I, we would have done some things differently. Um, we probably would have if, if I had to do it all over again we would have done the same thing that we did but we would have done a better job of it I think that we we published um, information that I feel like was valuable information but we didn't take the extra step that the Indianapolis Star did or the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette did in 1996 which was to, to be able to identify some people that shouldn't have a handgun based on the, the records that were available to us. Um, you know, as far as background, we, we did this we did these stories and actually it's December 1st that we published the first story in the database. We did the stories to try to um, show the, uh, what's called the Obama factor, which is that since President Obama was elected, the number of people applying for these personal protection handgun permits had gone through the roof. And in so doing, we decided to go ahead and get uh, from the state Police, as Peggy said you know was available the the database so that people could search uh, and find out on their block on their street in their town how many people had a had a personal protection handgun permit that was in addition to basically the news stories which were which showed this trend toward more handgun ownership personal protection handgun ownership so um, you know without getting into a really long soliloquy, let me just say that uh, once we put our our database up, I, I believe that's more than likely when Peggy started getting calls. Uh, she, yeah. she got calls from people who were polite. I got calls from people who for the most part weren't. Uh, I got about 1,500 either calls or emails. Uh, many of them were e- extremely angry, nasty, threatening, intimidating. Um, and they were based on bad information because the uh, the information was based, that they were basing their anger on was that we had posted names and addresses of everybody so you could target people and go steal their guns when in fact we'd published um, information that, about how many people lived in a certain part of a community uh, or in a certain community that had a personal protection handgun permit and we thought that was interesting information and information people would be eager to have. So you know what uh, there was quite a quite an outcry uh, more of an outcry than i 've ever seen you know, in on my thirty years working at a newspaper um, to, and it was it was sort of based in the national rifle association the n r a now i 'm not here to bash the n r a what I found out from them is they are an incredibly organized effective group of lobbyists, and they took it upon themselves to uh, contact their membership, saying they should contact our newspaper and our advertisers and demand that we take this database down. Um, and so it became a, a really sort of big, uh, volatile issue. I was invited to be on Fox News. I was invited to be on um, to debate a guy from GunNuts.org, which is an Indiana organization. Um, so you know, it was just it was an interesting time. It was all based on this this public information. That now is not going to be public. Steve, what's your reaction to to what's going on
2: and, and to the subsequent legislation?
0: Well, I think uh, following up on what Bob said, I do think that there was uh, uh, a lot of the uh, reaction that that uh, Representative Welch and and other legislators received was based on. Uh, what was disseminated by the National Rifle Association. My understanding is is that their email that went out uh, was, were telling gun owners that uh, the newspapers were treating them like sex offenders by publishing their names and addresses on the web, which was not true in either the case of the Bloomington paper or the Indianapolis Star. Uh, but it certainly got a reaction from uh, the members of the uh, uh, National Rifle Association, and I know that uh, uh, Senator Walker, who had a similar bill to represent Welch's, he said he had never received that many uh, emails and letters on an issue that he did on on this. So, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that, that what what sparked this was was what I think was misinformation about information that's been available uh, to the public since uh, 1983. And there's never been an issue or problem with it uh, until the National Rifle Association made it into an issue.
5: Uh, Mr. Key, what uh, is your reaction? What is the Hoosier State Press Association's reaction to you know what went on in the past uh, four months or so?
0: Well, we uh, we opposed uh, the bill throughout. Uh, I do want to compliment uh, uh, Representative Welch because. Uh, She's one of the uh, hardest working and best prepared legislators, I think, in the House of Representatives and she does what uh, she feels is best for not only her constituents but uh, Hoosiers throughout the state of Indiana. Unfortunately, on this issue, this is one that we just took a a different view as far as the balance between uh, people's uh, expectations of privacy and things that they're doing and the... What we feel is the need to make sure that there is public accountability for actions that uh, the State takes when it's uh, going to regulate uh, the behavior of Hoosiers, uh, in this case, whether or not they'd be allowed to uh, carry guns uh, uh, away from their homes.
5: Uh, Bob, you said that earlier that you wish your paper had done a, a quote
4: better job. Mm-hmm. What exactly do you mean? Well, I, I think that we've stopped uh, short of uh, providing a, the kind of thorough report that in my mind um, makes this information be of value. In fact, uh, it's kind of interesting. I, Peggy wrote me and told me she was going to file this bill and I, I wrote her a note. Uh, I'm sure she will remember saying that that I would probably be able to support some sort of restrictions. I also wrote a note to Steve. Saying that, and and you know, it was I was sort of in disagreement with some of my colleagues in the press. Uh, as it turned out, um, the bill that, that wound up being passed is not something that I agree with on, on further uh, review. I mean, I I think that since we didn't we didn't publish names and we didn't publish addresses, and there were some very some valid reasons for that. And neither did the star, and neither has any newspaper in Indiana that I know of um, so I think there might there is some rationale for being fearful that that those names and addresses will be just made public willy nilly and I understand the privacy issue, but I think there might have been some other ways to uh to get around it i you know i making maybe uh, names and addresses or names available but not specific street addresses, some things like that. So anyway, I don't know if I answered your question very well, Daniel, but I think that there may have been some better reporting we could have done. The the value of having this is that it it, it lets somebody – lets the media or anybody check on – What government is doing. I mean, that's why we want information to be public. And if if, uh, one of the the ironic things, I I think you'd agree, most people in the NRA or most people who are advocates of gun ownership are not particularly um, trusting of the government. But yet I got a lot of people who were calling me saying, you know, only the government should have this information. And I just don't Agree with that thought. I mean, I think that if the government is make is allowing people to get personal protection handgun permits or permits, and these are individuals who maybe have felonies in their background, and government's not checking as well as it can, somebody needs to be a watchdog on that.
2: So, Re- Representative Welsh, uh-huh. what's what's your reaction to that idea that the the public needs to be perhaps a watchdog in addition to the government uh, where gun ownership is concerned?
3: Sure, and that was an argument that was continually made, and and that point was was brought up over and over. But um, what we decided as a legislature, um, and this was pretty heavily passed Uh, in the House, it passed 85 to 11. In the Senate, it was 48 to zero. So um, the, the huge majority of legislators said we believe that the protection of personal information is more important than public access, which would then be extended to the argument about should the press or other people in the public have the ability to do oversight of what government is doing and issuing these permits for carrying a concealed weapon. Um, And that's kind of where I came down, I mean, hearing from constituents, and again, I want to make it clear, it was non-gun owners as well as gun owners. I was not contacted by the NRA regarding this bill. I was contacted by just constituents who said, I have a concern about this. And so the, the overwhelming majority of legislators said, we believe protection of personal information is more important than public access.
2: Well, I guess the question I want to ask you and then I want to ask Steve immediately after is, do you believe that this could lead to an, a slow erosion of what the, the press is able to do? In terms of getting public records and in terms of um, serving that traditional watchdog function that media has served for so long?:
3: No, I, I don't believe that it, it will. Something that an argument that was made regarding the public access of this particular information is that it's information that flows from a constitutionally protected right, um, and which is different than other types of uh, public information and public access to personal information. And that was kind of a a point that I think made this particular piece of legislation an issue more compelling and convincing for the legislature. So, no, I don't believe and there is – I did not hear from one legislator who said we want to diminish the ability of the press to be able to have oversight. But in this particular place, yes, we believe that this information should be protected.
0: Well, I, from the Hoosier State Press Association standpoint, we never saw this as a First Amendment versus uh, the right to bear arms issue. Our position on this bill would have been the same if we were talking about closing access to information about the licensing of, of barbers, doctors, lawyers, whatever the case may be. And and you know, with with the passage of this bill what it will prevent is it will prevent uh a a, a follow up to the kind of story that the Indianapolis Star did back in October where they were able to point to 450 uh permits that had been issued by the state police that uh if 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 somebody looked at them from a rational standpoint would be concerned uh about the fact that either The state police were not even using what the legislature had told them to use as one of the guideposts as whether or not uh, good character and Mm -hmm. reputation should uh, be used to screen people from getting these. Uh, There were cases where uh, local police departments who had had uh, dealings with these 450 individuals – and we're just talking about looking at permits in Lake and Marion County – where uh, the local police had recommended that the person shouldn't have a gun uh, on, on them as they're walking around the streets, uh, but that the state police had had ruled against them. There were also questions where uh, individuals who had been initially charged with uh, what would be a felony offense, which is a, uh, an item that would preclude a person uh, from being able to get a permit – uh, but that person had been put into an alternate uh, sentencing program, uh, which means that although they basically agreed to, the, to committing the action that would have been a felony, because of this alternate sentencing, it puts them into a misdemeanor category. Um, and the, what the STAR was doing was raising questions about the policy uh, concerning the screening mechanism for issuing these permits and whether or not there needed to be some changes or improvements. And by being able to identify who these permittees were and being able to cross-reference their history either with police or courts, they were able to make what I think was a, con- uh, a compelling argument that there may need to be some some changes in, in the system or some uh, uh, definitional help to the state police to be able to make some changes. And it would be much more difficult to do that kind of story when you're not able to identify and be able to cross-reference the records to be able to point out that these kind of issues uh, uh, exist.
3: Um, If I can just follow up, um, what I was saying earlier, that there is a different scene in this information than from the information about who is permitted, as you said, Steve, to be a barber or whatever, Um, that's more of a privilege, whereas the ability to carry a gun or to have a gun is flows from a constitutional protected right. So that's I just want to make that clear again. There's a difference, and we as legislators see that as a difference. But I want to follow up on also about um, being able to. Why are some people getting permits when they shouldn't be based on the what was outlined in this, the current law? And um, as I was coming online, I heard you talking about the good character and reputation, particular. Um, Requirement, and in talking with the state police, because I do try to do my homework, and I followed up with the state police and talked to them about this, that there does seem to be a problem with um, a recommendation will be made by the local police unit, sheriff's office, the local marshal, whoever is giving the recommendation to the state police for the permission or permitting of the or, or giving the permit, and um, what was. Uh, shared with me, is the state police have a real problem with defining what is good character and reputation. And so that raised some concerns for me, and I've already talked to a few people and will continue to follow up with those people that deal in the legal area more than I do, about do we need to figure out how to better define good character and reputation to make it more clear for the state police that they are more comfortable in denying these permits based on the recommendations that come from the local um,
5: police officers. Let's talk a little bit more about this actual bill. Um, Peggy, earlier you mentioned that uh, the bill passed overwhelmingly 83 to 11 and 48 to Mm 0. Most bills, uh, a lot of the news that comes out of the state house is how partisan it is and how a lot of bills don't get a lot of bipartisan Mm -hmm. support. So how was this bill able to get so much support? Was it just a better lobbying effort on people who supported the bill? Uh, was it your efforts or the people like uh, Mr. Key from the Hoosier State Press Association who was against the bill didn't you know get in the state house and do the footwork needed to you know assert their position?
3: <clears throat> this is a, an issue um, that can be a very volatile issue any time you talk about gun issues. And in fact, um, it was brought when I had my bill introduced and then there was another gun bill that was going to be moving through the House. Um, it was suggested that these two gun bills needed to begin one bill, um, and I said, no, I didn't want to do that because I had concerns about the other gun bill. Uh, I was supportive of, of my issue, but not necessarily the other issue. And, but the reason that it was suggested they go together is because it is so volatile. People have very strong opinions and feelings about this issue that it would having one bill would be a little easier than two. I appreciate that my leadership said, no, we'll go with you, Peggy, if you need just for this one bill to run through. Um, And let me make it very clear. Steve Key (laughs) works very hard to make sure that the concerns um, of the Hoosier Press Association are always heard, and he is respected and well-received. So he did his part, but people felt so strongly about this issue. They said, no, I'm sorry, Steve. We believe that there's a difference um, in um, public access versus personal information, protection of personal information in this particular case, and we're going to be supportive. There were people, Stan, who voted for this bill who normally vote against gun bills um, and have very strong feelings about gun bills, and they voted yes in the House on this particular bill. Um, uh, Representative Verm Smith from Lake County voted yes, and he has strong opinions (laughs) about gun bills. Representative Day from... Um Marion County voted yes for this bill, so um people just felt very strongly about the protection of personal information from public access. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a lack of somebody not doing their job. it was just a very strong um, feeling in the house or in the legislature we need to protect this personal information uh,
5: before we take a break here at twelve thirty uh Mr. Key, can you talk a little bit about uh the efforts you made in the state house to uh, make your position known and try to you know win support for your side on the bill
0: well, we testified uh, uh against the bills during their uh, their public hearings um, uh, representative Welch was as always was gracious enough to to contact us even before uh, early on to let us know what the bill had because uh that 's just kind of the legislator she is, and we had voiced our concerns with uh, with her uh we, you know, we let our members know what was in this bill, and and why we never tell our members what to do or not to do. Uh, we try to give them the information about bills that we th- have a concern uh, with when it concerns uh, access, news gathering, and they follow up with uh, editorials or contacting legislators personally by a publisher or, or an, an editor. Uh, you know, we we try to get the information out in various ways as far as what our issues were. Um, I don't know if Peggy would agree or not, I think that you know uh, this this uh, session just passed uh, you know there is an undercurrent of uh, uh, concern by legislators, uh, particularly in the House because there's going to be a very key election coming up in uh, in November uh, the party that controls uh, the house uh, will control the process of redistricting, and uh, you know there's a feeling depending on which uh, which house controls it? They may be able to draw the line so that they basically give themselves a, an, an advantage for the next decade, uh, as far as who's going to control that that, that uh, legislature. So, I think that uh, you know that part of what may played into the overwhelming votes uh, was that uh, uh, the NRA did uh, make a strong effort to, to have these two, both bills passed. Uh, I was told by one lobbyist, and, and this may not be true or not, but I was told that. The NRA had gotten the word out that you know if, if a legislator voted against one of their bills, not only would the NRA not support them in the next, this election, but also would work uh, for their against them with with their opponents. Well, so, Bob,
3: I, I mean or Steve, I guess. I'm not going to. Uh, I haven't sought their support, and I guess I'm not going to get it since I voted against the other bill. <laughs> um, but I felt strongly about this particular bill. So. Well,
0: I, and and I'm not uh, in any way, Peggy, trying to uh, reflect upon uh, uh, your reasons for for carrying this sure, bill. But but you. Uh, but I think that, and you can maybe disagree. But I think there are there are certain votes that come up, and and legislators will will make choices. You know, uh, not only based on the. Uh, maybe the merits of the bill, but the some of the political ramifications. And it works both ways. Uh, so I've, I've, I've you
3: right. I've
0: had I've had bills uh, concerning uh, public access that uh, I know that there were probably some legislators who weren't that keen on what the provisions were, uh, but they didn't want to be painted as being against uh, public access. And I think in this case, I think some of the votes may have been situations where somebody didn't want to be put into a uh, corner or painted by an opponent as being uh, against uh, the right to, to bear arms. Uh,
3: sure.
0: So I think that played a little bit into the uh, the, the, the margins on the votes. Sure.
3: The, the, the strength of the arguments that were made, I think you're right.
2: Well, we have reached the bottom of the hour. It's time for us to take a break. We're talking about gun issues as they relate to the recently completed legislative session. You can call us or email us during the break and we'll get you right on. This is Noon Edition on WFIU.
1: are listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, wfiu.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745.
2: We are back on noon edition we 're here with Hoosier State Press Association General Counsel Steve Key, Herald Times Editor Bob Salzberg, and Bloomington State Representative, Peggy Welch talking about some different gun issues that related to the legislative session recently completed. Bob, uh, you wanted to get in on what Steve and Peggy were talking about just before the break
4: Well, I just wanted to to be able to to note you know from my own uh, personal experience. With being sort of a target of uh, the NRA because of the of the database, that I can't blame any legislator uh, who's going to be up for reelection if they decided this wasn't uh, an issue to go to the mat on, because um, the that is a lobbying group that has a lot of power, and I think what Steve said, you know, I I, I certainly ha- saw a lot that would indicate to me that i 'm sure a word was spread to some legislators, uh, maybe not Peggy, but some others that or at least there was the the awareness that if i if I was to you know stand up and oppose this particular bill that it would make my reelection bid much more difficult and i 'm sure you know i 'm not i 'm really not trying to denigrate the courage of Individual legislators, because you know they, they have a lot of things they they need to be courageous about and their need to, they need to go to the mat about, and if they decided this wasn 't one of them, then boy uh, uh, they were wise to vote um, with the nRA,
2: <laughs> so I wanted to move on and talk real briefly uh, to start talking about the the other bill that passed, which basically uh, disallows any law or rule from being made that would prohibit somebody from carrying a gun in a locked part of their vehicle in the parking lot of a a business or whatnot. So basically, the the law says you can carry your gun if it's safely locked into the parking lot of a store or your place of work or something like that, as long as it's out of sight. And and Representative Welch, I'll start with you. Mm -hmm. You voted against this piece of legislation. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it came down as the, uh, the bill that I authored was public access versus personal um, information being protected, this was really a bill for me about personal rights versus employer and property rights. And um, I came down the side of employer and property rights in this particular bill because I believe that um, an employer should be able to say, I don't feel comfortable having guns on my property even if they are locked up in the employee's car, um, and that bill also passed overwhelmingly in both the Senate and in the House. Um, but I really closely considered the issues. It was hard vote. Um, Representative Pierce and I both voted against this figure bill. But if we could have split the issues that were in this bill, um, this bill contained not only the if we call it the parking lot gun bill, uh, but it also had. Language in there regarding being able to maintain the ownership of your gun, possession of your gun, in the case of an emergency. And um, I fully support that, absolutely support that. Um, but the because the two issues were in the same bill, I had to vote no because I felt pretty strongly about the parking lot portion of the bill.
5: This is a question maybe for everybody. Uh, what do you think is the cumulative effect of both of these bills together uh, one bill says, you know, you, you can't now get the information who has a permit. Uh, you can't publish it. another bill says you can carry a gun. If you have a permit and you want to carry a gun and have it in your car, uh, you can do so. So what do you think is the total effect of these bills together?
3: If, if I can just clear up a couple of things, Stan, um, and I, I am not an expert in, in gun law at all. But first of all, you let's make it clear the permit – you only have to have a permit to carry a concealed weapon, um, and that would be a handgun. Um, and this, the parking lot gun bill is not just about um, handguns. It's your shotgun, any type of gun you can have in your vehicle because you don't have to have a permit to carry the shotgun or all these other types of guns that are out there. So let's make it clear this is not just about handguns that you would be carrying in your car. The bill... House Bill 1065, which is the parking lot gun bill, it says that you just have it locked up and hidden in your vehicle. So you could have your, your shotgun as long as it was covered up with a blanket that nobody could see it and the car was locked. Um, so please understand that there's a difference in owning a gun and being able to carry it and then carry, owning even a handgun and then carrying that handgun out in public.
5: I think the question remains the same. What do you think is the effect of the two bills together then?
3: I don't think it diminishes uh, the concerns of the public, uh, really, because, again, the, the bill that I authored is just about carrying these concealed weapons. I have a concern, though, about the the parking lot gun bill, um, because I believe that it's um, it diminishes the the rights of employers to be able to determine what they think is right and best for their employees on their property. That's a concern. That's the bigger concern to me than really about the gun part. Now, um, I'm happy, though, that as the bill passed, it's going to protect the, the rights and the ability of people to be able to maintain the possession of their guns in an emergency situation. So that's a good part that came from the bill. But I don't see it affecting gun rights and people who, are, who have problems with gun ownership, my concern with 1065, the parking lot gun bill, is how does it really diminish the rights of employers um, to, to dictate and to determine what happens on their property?
2: Let me reframe the discussion and okay. then ask Bob and Steve, um, just as, as citizens primarily, um, and, uh, as well as people who are engaged in the political process and, and follow this sort of thing, um, I think there's an argument to be made that it's nice that we 're preserving these rights, but are these laws actually making anybody any safer? Um, you know, one of the things we 're trying to do is make sure that guns are not used improperly. Um, do these two laws, in your estimation, do that?
4: Bob we'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my opinion is that they probably don't make anybody any safer, and in fact the uh, parking lot bill might make somebody less safe, but that's my personal opinion. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the arguments that that I heard from the uh, let me say the the very very small minority of of who I thought were reasonable people about our gun control database was you're not going to you know the people that are on a gun con- a gun permit database handgun permit database aren't the people you should be worried about. That there are, you know, everybody, the people who are not people who have handguns and aren't on that database are the ones that are going to be out causing trouble and shooting up, you know, liquor stores and whatever else. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they really are that these bills are going to make anybody any safer. Um, but you know, on the other hand, I would well let me. I'll let Steve respond to that, and then I've got another point I want to make. So. <laughs>
0: well, first off, any comments on this part would be more my own opinion as opposed to the press association, particularly on the uh, uh parking lot uh bill because that's not a bill that we would take a position on uh but i, I think i I think that a lot of people would agree with uh, uh with uh, Peggy's position as far as uh, people having a right to keep their guns in an emergency situation and I don't think anybody was arguing necessarily right. against that issue. I think that uh, she is very she was very correct in framing the other part as as a as a direct uh decision made by the legislature on whether or not they were going to go with the uh second amendment and the the right to bear arms uh over the fourth amendment and the the right to uh to control your property and in this particular per, uh situation uh the legislature you know by an overwhelming vote said we're going to lean towards uh, the, uh, the Second Amendment and, and you know, that's why we have a legislature. These are tough decisions and tough uh, policies and uh, we elect people to, to try to do what they think is best in those situations. Uh, as far as the uh, – the, uh, Representative Welch's bill, uh whether it's going to make people necessarily safer or not i mean i agree with bob that uh, those who are committing crimes you know will find ways to get 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 weapons um but i do think that uh, at least what i what i've heard and uh, the concern i would have over the the uh the parking lot bill is that i think there's been studies shown and that there are a lot of situations where uh crimes of heat crimes of passion occur uh, because the weapon is, is is so readily available and uh, I think if, if you have situations where uh, someone who's upset at work had to get into the car, drive 10 minutes home to get their weapon and then drive back to the office to uh, to settle their dispute, uh, I think that, that that cooling off period uh, would for many people lead them to decide that maybe it's not a good idea to do what I that I'm contemplating. Uh, where, if they just have to walk outside to their car and and, and get a weapon, uh, there may not be enough time for them to to, to cool off and uh, but i 've also heard the arguments on the other side where you know if if people have uh, their weapons uh, uh, available, they might be able to prevent things like the shootings at virginia tech and and the, those type of situations so but i I just think that if you over all you look at the the, the, the probabilities of one thing happening or another thing happening that, that I think that, that probably you're going to have more cases where the lack of that cooling off period is going to lead to violence, uh, uh, and, and but that's that's purely a personal opinion. And,
3: and we just saw that – was that two weeks ago um, up in northern Indiana? In Portage. That's exactly what happened. A, mm-hmm. a gentleman who received um, a not very favorable um, review of his work was angry. He went out to his car, brought it in, uh, got his gun, brought it in and shot the place up. I understand that, unfortunately, no one was hurt. Across Um, the
2: street from Senator Talian's office, I understand. Oh, my goodness.
3: (laughs) Well, see, and... (laughs) But that is a real concern (laughs) um, about that. There are plenty other stories, though, of people, you know, driving home, getting their their gun and coming back and doing the same thing. Something that uh, I was explaining to a reporter yesterday is the reason that um, a, a lot of people have an interest in this, especially people who are, live in rural areas and they drive in to come to work, such as constituents of mine who live out in Greene County and they come in and they work um, somewhere in Bloomington, especially at one of the factories. They want to be able to, before work or after work, be able to go hunting. They've got their shotgun in their vehicle and it's a long way to drive home to go get the, their, their gun um, to be able to go hunting. And so they like to be able to have the convenience of having it in their vehicle. That's one of the strong arguments um, and the reasons that people want to be able to have their gun with them at work. Because of hunting, it's not even personal protection. And I understand that, and I have um, empathy and sympathy for that. It's just, again, my concern about the employer being able to dictate what, and shouldn't be on his or her property. So
2: what's it your answer to our, our question about whether these laws are making people safer?
3: Well, um, I believe that um, having guns accessible um, in, at an employee site, employer site, uh, statistically might um, bear out that people might be less safe. Now, please understand in the bill, uh, House Bill 1065, the parking lot gun bill, there were exceptions made for schools and universities and daycares, for uh, group homes for the developmentally disabled, for uh, places that um, have, you know, produce energy, um, because if somebody fires a gun, there could be um, some terrible explosions that would happen in places like that. So there were exceptions that were allowed in the parking lot gun bill because of concerns that were raised. Um, but as far as people being safer, um I, I haven't seen enough studies. And I think there are only, and Steve, if you happen to know, or, or Bob, I think there's only maybe 10 other states that have passed the parking lot gun bills, um, or something similar to what we've passed. So I don't know that we've, I don't think there's been any problems in these other states. Um, and so uh, I think we'll be watching closely regarding that. Now, the bill that I did, 27 other states already had, uh, legislate, or had laws on their books that protected the personal information of of people who were carrying handguns with a permit. The
0: the impact I see not on Peggy's bill is not so much necessarily safety, uh, but again, it's 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 uh, the ability to know what government's doing and as far as protecting people's rights. And it's and it's a two edged sword. It's interesting that the NRA you know really pushed this closing of this, this, this information, which as the Indianapolis Star pointed out, you know makes it hard to show when the uh, people are getting permits who maybe shouldn't get be getting permits. But on the flip side, if you don't have oversight of what government is doing, you can have problems in, in the other fashion. Uh, you won't be able to as easily to check to determine whether or not you have a, a local police department that maybe uh, either has a particular officer or maybe has a particular philosophy. Uh, that they're opposed to uh, uh, having carry permits be given to uh, to people of, a, of minorities, mm-hmm. and that they could routinely recommend to the state police that uh, a certain minority not get a get a permit. Uh, well,
3: fortunately, there are, in that particular case, there are appeals processes uh, or an appeal process that would allow somebody to um, say, "Hey, why didn't I get it?" and be able to carry an argument as to why they should have it. So, well, and, that, I, and I hear that argument and I'm...
0: Yeah, and and, and that, that would, that would, that would would for that individual, that would make that argument. But what you would not be able to necessarily determine is whether or not there was a pattern or practice of discrimination by that local uh, police department mm-hmm. because you're only getting, you know, you, the individual who may have been denied may re- appeal theirs, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to c- uh, connect the dots and realize that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people were being denied. It's, it's kind of similar to the... the what used to be a practice in some places where uh, people would be uh, pulled over because they were driving while black in mm-hmm. certain certain neighborhoods.
3: Mm-hmm. I understand that. Hey, if I can jump in here just for a minute, though, one of the things I want to point out is that I really believe in transparency of our government. And Steve and I talked about this the last night of session. That's right. Um, because I had in a bill that I was carrying that did pass into law, but I had to remove some language regarding transparency of how – people's, um, our taxpayers' dollars are spent um, by their government, and also transparency in gaming. Um, and because of some concerns that were raised, the language had to be removed, but I'm committed, if I'm re-elected, to take uh, take up the fight again for transparency. I'm always looking for transparency within our government, because I think the more information people have about their government, the better government we're going to have. Um, but in the particular bill that I did, I just believed that that was personal information that needed to be protected.
0: Pe- Peggy's a good example of, of a legislator that you can work with, and you can discuss issues. And it's always done on on a basis of of the issue, uh, not uh, emotion. Uh, uh, and you know some of the things that you, know, you see that kind of get lost sometimes in, in other political debates, where the emotion uh, takes over rather than uh, the ability for people with different opinions to sit down and and discuss where they're coming from and trying to work out some sort of solution.
5: In the last uh, few minutes of the program we we have left, I wanted to ask Bob uh, this question. uh, Now that these uh, laws are on the books or that the law that pertains to your database is on the books, uh, what's going to happen to that database? Are you going to leave it up and possibly challenge it legally? (laughs) Oh, I
4: don't think we – we don't have to take it down. I mean, so it it, there's it no doesn't. stipulation that would say that we would have to take that down. So we don't intend to to take it down. We it's not it's not getting that much traffic. I mean the information on it is very generic, and it it was probably good for um, a few weeks that you know people could see what they wanted to see from it. Um, but you know we, I, I would be uh, hard pressed to take it down at this point um, based on <laughs> on what the legislature just did.
3: And, and one of the things about the bill, to be real clear, is that um, it does allow real general, not specifics, but for, for academic research and for journalistic research, the bill does allow a journalist or a researcher to go in and look at database information as long as the personal information is redacted. So they can get an idea of, you know, who, who, um, how many people are applying for handgun permits, um, and how many are getting them, and kind of where what how many we have in our county and our city, so we are allowing and that 's something that um, most other states do not allow for academic and um, journalistic research, so the bill that uh, we move forward here in the state of Indiana it does allow for that
5: well Bob, because the database is going to remain online uh, right before the show, I went on and typed in my street mm-hmm. and uh, it says. There are six people on my street and I live on a long street who mm-hmm. have gun permits. It tells me what kind of gun permit they have. Mm-hmm. But since you are leaving it up and since people like me are going to go use it, what do you think I can get out of that piece of information. The fact there are six on my street, I'm not really sure what what to do with that. It's kind of abstract. Well,
4: I, I think it is abstract. And when I, you asked me the question before about what – you know, was I happy that we did the story? Well, I think it provided some information that's maybe a little bit interesting. I mean what not that interesting to you? But what you can do with it – I mean you don't know who those six – where those six permits are on your street. And – It wasn't our intent to let you know where those six permits were on your street. So, you know, going back to that original question that you asked me, I mean, the bill would still allow us to do that kind of story. But frankly, the story that the star did, which took the information that was available and went further with it to find out whether there might be some permits going to people who shouldn't have them, was a better use of the information. So what we did with with uh, you know, posting the database and you know I feel kind of bad for my colleagues because what we did was we're now able to do a story as good or as well as we did it, which wasn't as good as journalism can be done with public information. so to, to your specific question about what you can do with it you can look at it and you can you can kind of ponder you know you can you, you have some information some more information that I believe, would be of interest to any individual about how many gun personal protection gun permits there are on your particular street. It, it's, it's interesting
0: that uh, you know, the, 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 the outrage that, that was raised over this information being available has been available since 1983. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I asked the state police, I said, well, other than you know, the, the, the media and law enforcement you know, agencies who have contacted the state police to, to try to get this information – and, and I was told that there was one, one person and they Since had – Since
2: 1983?
0: Right. And and they, had, and they had asked for the information basically after they had uh, seen the stories and I, I don't know if it was the Bloomkin story or the Annapolis story. And it was kind of like, well, gee, can I get that information? So they were kind of doing it to see whether or not they, they, they could. So mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the fear that there, that there was exhibited I think by the citizens that, oh, you know, this information is, is terrible, that this information is available – I think if you look at, you know, the what was being used or, or gathered or, or searched for, you know, it was it was a fear that wasn't based on any kind of uh, anything actually had happened.
4: Well, and this was the second time we had put up a personal protection handgun permit database. We did one four years ago. There was nowhere near this kind of reaction to it. Uh, I can't remember getting more than a half dozen calls about it. But another question that you asked earlier that, that I don't believe I was able to answer had to do with these two bills together and this is not very specific but I would just say I think there's a great amount of fear and anger in our society today and I think that it came out when this database went up where it didn't – it wasn't uh, prevalent four years ago when we put a database up or any other time prior. To 1983, when the the these this information was available, the kind and, and you know maybe it's just that there are better communication tools that the NRA had better communication tools to to sort of get their uh, constituency going. But they, there's a lot of anger, a lot of distrust, and a lot of um, concern among the masses out there about. Uh, I, privacy, as Peggy would say, or about just you know what's going to happen. I, I heard some wild some some wild tales. I'll tell you in just about twenty
2: seconds each. I want to ask each of you uh, in turn, and Representative Welch, I'll start with you. Uh-huh. What did you learn from this whole process that went into these two bills? Uh, and and you know we'll ask the same thing of Steve, and then we'll ask it journalistically of Bob.
3: What did I learn? Right. Um, <laughs> um, that. People care about the protection of their personal information. And um, I came in on the side of protecting that information for uh, my constituents. As I told a reporter, I said, I represent my constituents. I don't represent journalists. And I made that choice.
0: Okay. Steve? I don't know if I learned, but I think it just uh, reinforced uh, what I've always felt, is that when it comes to the public's right to know uh, citizens – kind of a, have an assumption and and you know that that government's going to do the right thing and uh, it only comes up when when they have a problem accessing issues, sure uh, or records or meetings is when they really start to appreciate and understand the importance of uh, of access.
4: Bob, real quick, I learned a little bit about what Peggy goes through because you know <laughs> I, I learned the power of lobbyists and people who have a particular position. And sure, I respect that. Well, our thanks
2: to Bob Zaltzberg and to Steve Key and to Peggy Welch for being part of the program today. For Arianna Prothero and Mike Pashcash in the booth, for co-host Daniel Robinson, I'm Stan Jastrzewski. This has been Noon Edition. Thanks for listening.
0: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.
4: Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.